to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. Checking back in with you. It's been a little less than a month. I think the last time people heard from us was the old uh, Southland Tales rewatch. Yes, I believe uh, that's I saw so. some people actually downloaded that, so that was cool. Thanks. Thanks mm. to all of our listeners. All 35 of you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and those kids who follow you in like the Ukraine, hopefully they're listening too. Oh, yeah. Those kids. Uh, yeah, so we're back. Uh, we figured we'd check in with each other. Tr- truth be told, this is not the most recent thing we've recorded. Right. But we've we... taken a bit of time off because we're working on a little side, a little, project. Little side project. We're actually banking something uh, in advance for a change, which almost never happens. And I won't spoil it, but I will say it has literally nothing to do with October, which yep. is also right around the corner. But uh, yeah, more on that secret, super secret project that I've told about 10 or 15 people about uh, at a later date. But, You'll uh, find out about it, mm, what, two months from now, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. A little over Sounds two months. Sounds about right. Okay. So you, you know the drill. If you've listened to any recent episodes, we're just, we're going to catch up. What have you been watching? Where do you want to start? We doing movies. We doing TV. We doing first timers we do rewatches yeah i got all that the, kind of stuff. the world is your oyster well what do you want to go with first i i literally asked you oh okay uh, um, so by all means let me get my notes i was pulling my notes oh up oh my god all right you want to go tv my tv's kind of short not, not that fair much. enough let's do it what are you watching um so i basically started that perry mason show okay two episodes in on hbo and i think it's dope Okay. Can't wait to see where it goes. I know mom and dad were watching. Went back a couple times on Sundays, and they were like actively watching it. I was like, oh, wow. okay. Yeah. I realized it was episode two that they were watching, because when I caught it, there was a World War One flashback. And, of course, I started episode two the other night, and I was like, oh, okay, this is where mom and dad caught it. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they've they finished it. I don't know if they were tracking it but i mean they're like both literally in the living room watching hbo and I, that should have dawned on me then that i realized hey they know they have hbo on cable now because it was like there i only found out you know after i you know crashed my car the other day that like i um that mom and dad have hbo through the regular tv so that's kind of nice we really should switch to the max thing you were i was talking just gonna about. say that is a hundred percent a product of quarantine i can't think of a show in Maybe they watch. I don't even think they watched. I know Dad was super into House of Cards, but I don't think they ever watched it together. I no. think he just binged it out in his shop. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think Mom watched it either. I don't think she did. So yeah. I, definitely guess, I guess it's the you know, this is who that show I guess is maybe made for. Maybe I don't ever remember seeing an episode of Perry Mason in reruns or anything in our time. He was a lawyer. He's Pete. I thought he was a PI. I don't know because like, he's a lawyer. Well, listen, the kidnapper song says Perry Mason will take my case, and my and that it is he is a lawyer. Well, that's yes. what I thought. I thought it meant he would, but now if you think about it, Perry Mason will take the case. He could maybe be the one to find who well, took this, the kidnapper. And, you know. and this is a reinterpretation, reimagining right. of the character, right? Right. So it's not, yeah, okay. But it's well, maybe really we good. can get mom and dad on Mike, and maybe I guess I need to start watching it. It's good. It's the uh, it's the guy from uh, Americans. I like him. Oh, of course, I knew mom would be on board because of that. And yeah. you got Shea Wiggum as his right hand. I mean, and what? Tatiana Maslany's in there yes. as well, I believe. Right. Gal. Yeah. Is that correct. Yeah. And uh, I need to get on it. I literally. Robert Patrick. Oh, okay. All right. 
I can dig it. Church elements, crazy Hollywood elements, World War Two or World War One flashbacks. Did you hear? This is literally probably a year and a half to two years away at this point. But Affleck just announced a new project. He's adapting a book, which I'm going to read because I didn't realize it existed. Hmm. But it's about the making of Chinatown and kind of the end of that era of Hollywood. So he's adapting that book. So we're going to see somebody cast as Jack Nicholson, somebody cast as Faye Dunaway, Polanski, obviously. Um, And yeah, that piqued my interest. Again, just announced. It's probably who knows when it will actually. Do you do you get the guy eyes. who played Polanski and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to do Sh- it? Sure. He didn't really talk much, so. Well, and yeah, I don't. He, there's a way to do it where he's not a huge factor because obviously that's going to be a a very problematic thing for some people. Yes. Um. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That'll be interesting. But I definitely, I want to read that book. After yeah, I finish, definitely. I'm actually reading a book right now. What are you reading? No, we never get to do this. Let's do it. Um, it's movie adjacent. I'm reading Ant Kind. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I'm assuming in reference to Mankind, but Ant Kind, I'm not sure yet because I specifically avoided all descriptions and reviews. This is the first novel from Charlie Kaufman, oh. one of the best screenwriters of all time, in my opinion. Hmm. Um from the art it's it's a it's a chunk it's a behemoth it's mm-hmm. uh 700 plus pages i have not even cracked the 100 page mark but is it a quarantiner sorry <laughs> trying to make up new words it's um let's roll with it sure um as far as i've gotten this far it's about a film critic mm-hmm. researching a book but it you're inside his head so thus far it's been about everything and it's one of those that feels like it was written like yesterday because mm-hmm. it feels like it's about so many current issues and big themes and stuff um i don't normally laugh when i read a book mm-hmm. i'll chuckle internally to myself maybe <laughs> you get a light little body movement out of me i have literally laughed out loud consistently and again i'm only about 70 pages deep right now um yeah, one of the funniest books I've read in a very long time. Have no idea where it's going. Mm. Can't believe that it's actually 700 pages because I'm like, how, where, you know. Yeah. With most of his stories, you start very like, okay, this is interesting, but maybe there's something a little off here, and then it just compounds upon itself. It's good shit, though. Maybe I'll, I'll lend it to you afterwards. Yeah. I don't know if I'll read it, but yeah. But probably not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, he also has a new movie coming to Netflix next month, so we'll uh, talk about that when we get there. Okay. It's got Jesse Plemons in it. If that piques your interest. Hmm. Are you a fan of the Plem? I am. I was thinking about that the <laughs> other day. For some reason, like, the last three episodes of Breaking Bad have just been, like, on my mind for some reason. Like, the events of stuff. Like, I'll right. see something and be like, oh, Ishak Schrader. Okay, or like... This is and that. Saul or no? No, that's what it was. Mom asked me about that the other day, and that just immediately threw in my head, like, oh, because she was like, oh, they said Cranston isn't gonna be in it now. Cranston will be in it. I'm like, whatever, mom. Like, that's cool. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't. I mean, I just don't. It's not that I don't think it's great. It's not that I don't think it's probably the best. But again, I had this. I love that mom reads as many like TV and movie production like articles as as we seemingly Mm -hmm. do because no, she's always up on like what's going on Mm -hmm. in the behind the scenes. We really need to get dude, her in here as the co-host. Got, what are we doing dude, here? Dude, I got home doing? from seeing them Sunday, and she texts me, and she's, it was a thing from Facebook, and it said, 
just in case anybody's uh, concerned, Mad Max was did take place in 2021. Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks, Mom. Yes, I, I told her she, to make yeah. sure to stockpile some guzzoline. Yeah. I thought that would be a good idea. Okay. And I did tell my buddy, th- this was just to play on that. I said, hey, man, you know, our Florida trip got canceled early. I'm planning on being down there the end of, of September, 1st of October. I said, so, you know, unless we're all, if we're, you know, Plan will be in there unless we're in a, uh, a, a Mad Max Fury Road hell, hellscape. Mm-hmm. And if we are in a Mad Max Fury Road hellscape, I'll just make sure to... I'll be there with 50 cal machine gun and muscle car in tow. Like, you gotta think that the guys from Colt Wolf are like, kind of like, how's this going? Yeah. Are we gonna get there? Because you know they still got the car. And that brings me to another segment we haven't done in a while that I'd like you to tell me about. Because a long time ago when this, this outbreak started, you teased me with the idea... That Coat Wolf Films will be coming out with Chuck Hank and the San Diego Twins. I just want an update for the record. The Patreon updates have fallen off a bit in the last couple weeks. They went from video to just text updates. But they're still posting, and they actually said there's some big news right around the corner. The last update was we're looking at September 22nd. Tentatively, you will be able to watch this thing. I assume that applies regardless for us, regardless of what happens with distribution, because part of the tier of Patreon that we, the Archive Network, are a part of, gives us access to anything and everything that they make gotcha. digitally till the end of your, you know, until you stop supporting, essentially. Which is why so you we can go watch Bellflower us. right now. You can go watch, um, I forget the name of the short and I don't want to fuck it up, but the YouTube series that they had. Um, you can go watch all the episodes of that as well. It's kind of hmm. precursor to Bellflower. Uh, yeah, I can give you the login for that if you ever want to do that on Patreon. I might. But yeah, September 22nd, supposedly. Okay. We'll check back in this then. This has and see been, if we got uh, here yeah, we're in the world of Chuck Hank and the San Diego Twins. Okay. We're still in TV. Yeah, what TV have you got? I finally, finally finished Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh-huh. I told you I've been slowly working my way through it. I yes. got a little sidetracked with some other things that I'll get to in a minute. Um, overall, start to finish, fucking great. I'm glad I invested the time. The last, like, five, seven episodes, stuff gets crazy. Like, the scale of the battles just, like, ratchets up a notch. The the character dilemmas, etc. And the animation itself, like... It gets a little more dreamy, a little more abstract in certain places, a little more impressionistic. Yeah, I I really dug it. And the the two final episodes, the penultimate and the finale itself, really incredible stuff. Like I feel like you could throw them on for anybody, removed of like the knowledge of the series, and they're just like fantastic little twenty two minute like action sequences. Is Mobile Suit what Daft Punk used for videos, or is that their own thing they made? I want to. Why do I feel like that's the same thing? I don't think that those things have anything to do with each other. Maybe I'm just losing my mind. Maybe that was Robotech. Maybe it was some other anime. I don't know. It definitely has a more similar look to Robotech. Okay, maybe or that's even it. like Evangelion, which I haven't watched. But that's true. I didn't think about that. But yeah, hmm. so I finished that. I think now I'm going to start. Avatar The Last Airbender, because it's on Netflix, so now I have no excuse. And, of course, we have an entire show on the network dedicated to it, hosted by Sunshine Mayfield and Ben Pruitt. But what about I, Double Dragon? What? You told me we were going to watch all Double Dragon. Well, I'll get to it eventually, all right. and then I'll lend you the disc. That works. Okay? We'll, 
Teasing for 2021, that's all I'm saying. Sure, yeah. yeah. Plans got altered. We had a lot of stuff we were <laughs> yeah. planning on doing this year. Uh, but we we're will have October, Paris. damn it. We're not letting them no, take we are that not, away from no. us. October is on the books. It's happening. You're going to get at least four to five horror-specific episodes in the month of October, as we always do. Maybe six or seven if I can convince some friends of mine to sit down and actually talk yes, to me about Maybe stuff. you'll even hear from the Brothers Blanchard. I don't know if they're listening, but we would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, we haven't heard anything in October. from them. Okay. You know what? It's like Matt got married, and then it's just like, I don't need to be creative anymore. I'm done. I've done everything. I'm I think it's everything. also literally they were like, we covered every horror franchise. That too. Like, we did almost all of them. Right. It's not actually true, but they did the ones that matter, that yeah. count, essentially. Mm-hmm. They would start to scrape the, the bottom of the barrel, if you will. That's they true. continued. Anyways, so those things are coming. Those yeah. things are definitely coming. I finished Mobile Suit Gundam. I really liked it. But yeah, I got... I said all that to say, Bending Not Breaking, biggest show on the network, huge success. They're in their third season. They're doing great. And yours truly, I was a guest on an episode. Oh. Yeah. Dropped on Tuesday. Wow. I don't know when people are hearing this, but it dropped like a week ago. No, oh, okay. Episode eight of uh, season three, The Puppet Master, talking about the, the lens of fear. I was brought in as a, a horror aficionado. Oh. Yes. They do gave they, me a title and everything. Do they have room for another guest that could talk to them oh, about to literally nothing involved with that show? You, I had never seen an episode until I watched this one for it, so which was also fun because you know got, they got to have an outsider's perspective. I would be a real outsider. Yeah, I have no idea what that show is about. I, I know would, M Night Shyamalan tried to make a movie. That would be very it. interesting to hear you guys record together. I I I, I want to suggest that for the series finale. Actually, <laughs> the series finale. Yeah. They're, okay. They only they got twelve more uh, seasons or episodes. Episodes. They're in season three. That's it. It only has three seasons. Yes. Why did I think it had a lot more? Uh, well, there's Legend of Korra, which is the okay. spinoff, which I believe ran for two or maybe three seasons itself, and then there's the Dragon Prince on Netflix, which is the same creators. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if they're gonna keep going, but I I think they should. Yeah. Everybody seems to enjoy the show. I think it's the number one Avatar podcast. On the uh, old interwebs right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, they should make make. A... I think we can say that officially. Yeah, I mean, you should put it on the website. Yeah, do like one of those like tilted review things and like make fake review. Well, take if we have if they have any reviews on the. Uh... Oh, they got they got they got reviews, dude. Yeah, well, yeah. Speaking legit. of which, uh, yeah, we're still trying to get to that. Uh, I think we need two hundred, I believe, on iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, even if you don't, hop over to the podcast app. Throw us a five star. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be nice. Eventually, maybe we'll be a Rotten Tomatoes certified outlet, and we can, you know, give a splat every yeah. once in a while, or a, or a Tom, one or two. Yeah. We call them Toms at work. It's industry jargon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want to hear about you, my... you don't take the time to say anything tomato. in its entirety. Give me two Toms. <laughs> two Toms. Some on. That's a joke. We don't okay. call onions uns. Yeah. Let's get let's get, Calling crybabies, let's right? get out of this. Okay. I, I do have more TV, but do you Go have ahead. TV? We can trade. No, no I have this is my only other TV. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. And this is a beautiful accident that came about by you telling me to get on Hulu and watch that um, Andy Sandberg movie. So I get on Hulu, I start looking around, what do I find? I find Homicide Hunter. Joe Kenda, Homicide Hunter. Okay. Have you ever seen this show? No. Do you know anything about it whatsoever? No. Okay. Let me pitch this to you, Noah. Okay. Officer Joe Kenda has worked over 430 homicides 
in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay. Of those homicides, he has solved close to 390 of them. The other so many he knows who did it but couldn't prove it, and there are four cases on his caseload. He just had no idea and couldn't find who did it. So the this show is essentially him, modern day. He's an older gentleman, you know, very frank, very grandpa-like, but mm-hmm. someone that you believe and who's authoritative but is also sympathetic because he approaches the show of, and this is from his own words, he can close his eyes and still see every child, every daughter, every son, and they speak to him. And it started as a thing for Discovery Channel a long time ago. Somebody said, come in, sit down, we're just going to videotape you, we're going to talk about it. And it got such a positive review that basically Discover and Investigate investigate Discover, they pitched the show as basically he's going to sit down and talk about these cases, and they're going to have dramatizations of like him as a younger person mm-hmm. going through the motions of them. But you get the sense of like, yeah, some of them kind of get, you know, formulaic and like the the narrator kind of, it's kind of cheesy sometimes. But at the core, and they bring in like other people who were working with him at the time, mm-hmm. grown up, and like news reporters and family members. The real thing is crazy when they have family members, especially people who are like accused of stuff or like on the hook for it. And they're like, yeah, they came and looked at me and it was crazy. And like, they don't look anything like the reenactor is. Right. I love that part. But it's basically, I think there's six seasons now, maybe seven, but I just, it's one of those, it's 30 minutes, and I was literally like, I killed like two seasons, and then I went, like, went to sleep one night, and I accidentally killed a whole other season in my sleep, just because it was so, sh- like, you know, I slept for a long time, this was Friday night, but that was a happy accident that I found that on Hulu, and it's the perfect one to just to kind of throw on and have on, like, if I'm, you know, I don't want to put on a movie while I'm trying to eat, or like, put mm-hmm. on a movie to like, go to bed, I'm like, I'll just put this on and listen, and you know, he's been on a few podcasts to discuss it. Pretty name sounds familiar. Yeah, that's what I was. Okay. Yeah. So I've been watching a ton well, of that. Unfortunately, I don't have access to Hulu anymore. So if uh, you need the hookup, I've got a password. Just let me know. Well, that would be great. Maybe you can sign me in downstairs before, I leave. before yeah, you I leave. That would be great. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'll give you my HBO Max password because I'm doing a trial. Oh, ex- all right. <laughs> little little quid quid pro squid pro row. Is that what that is? Yes. Quid pro row? That's exactly how it's pronounced um on said hbo max uh veronica and i have started watching search party which is now part of hbo max but was was formerly a tbs yeah 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 i heard about this i i was interested in it when it was airing but i you know we have cable now but i didn't when the show started right and it wasn't like readily available streaming anywhere so it kind of got lost in the shuffle i don't know why in my mind it was like okay this is basic cable so they can only do so much right it's essentially like an hbo or a showtime show um like pay cable and i i don't know if like edited versions of this went up Maybe, or what, i think so but they can say whatever they want to they've been like no actual nudity thus far yeah it's been hinted at there's definitely sexual situations but I was just like, this was on TBS? Like, what? <laughs> Anyways, it's Ali Shawkat, who people know from Rust Development, Green Room, one of our favorite movies here at the oh, yeah. Network, um, et cetera. But uh, she plays a character named Dory, lives in New York uh, with a bunch of terrible friends, all great performances, but just everybody around her sucks in general. Um, and there's this girl that she barely knows that has gone missing, okay? And so she starts to try and track her down, Um 
basically becomes like a PI herself. She gets obsessed with this case. And it's it's a comedy. Um, it's Sarah Violet Bliss, who I'm not that familiar with, but she's done some other stuff. And uh, Michael Showalter, and I forget the other, the third co-creator. So it's this interesting blend of like, there's some twinges of Twin Peaks, but then it's like, it's got the comedic factor, which of course Twin Peaks always did as well. Um, but yeah, darkly funny, really can never get a handle on where it's going. And the cliffhangers episode to episode are just like, yeah, and we're going to watch another one right now because they're also <laughs> 22 minutes. So we've been thoroughly enjoying that. We're about to watch the finale of the first season. So I'll update you more. It's got three and then I guess season four and forward will be on uh, HBO Max. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, got, I remember it, but I don't. I said I remember it, but that's about it. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, the other HBO series, not specifically on HBO Max, but HBO proper, um, is I May Destroy You, which I think I may have brought up once before. I'm not sure. First season's not quite over. It's I, I've, I've seen that. Like without the... without seeing the final two episodes, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's definitely the the single best thing I've seen this year. It is my number one show. I don't see the final two episodes like. Tampening that or fucking it up in any way. Um, Just incredible on pretty much every single level. And it's a half hour show that I need like 15, 20 minutes to process after I watch an episode. It is the anti binge show. I have not been compelled to like, there was about four or five banked up before I started it. And I was at no point ever compelled to like, I need to barrel through this, but I also could not wait to watch it. And I was doing my, I was setting it up where I was doing it on a weekly basis, even though I was behind the show. But now I have closed the gap, essentially. There's two left. Um, It's incredible. Just check it out. The trailers don't even begin to like give anything away about what the show actually is. And it's one of those kind of like in Atlanta or uh, even like Twin Peaks The Return where you literally feel like anything can happen episode to episode. You you never feel like you have a firm grasp on like, okay, well, this is what an episode of the show is like. Right. It's just ever-evolving and ever-changing and like super engaging and so multi-layered and like truly complicated from a narrative perspective and from the characters and like just exploring their interactions. I don't want to even say too much other than to tell you, you need to fucking watch it before the year is over. Because if it is not at least in your top ten, I will be shocked. It okay. is something special. You do not want to miss out on it. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for TV. Okay. Um, yeah. What? I do have some other uh, HBO Max related stuff. If you want to jump into new movies. Or we can talk about some rewatches. Because I got a handful of those as well. I got a couple of new ones I can go with. Well. But if you want to do how many? Well, what's the ratio? You got more new or more rewatch? Um, more, have, re, more rewatch. Me too. Let's do rewatches. Yeah, and we'll because close out with the new stuff. Because and we will make people stick with us. Did we say possibly. it already that we're going to talk about the rental a little bit in depth? Is that what we're doing here? Um, we can do some mini reviews. Like I think to, that's the only one that both of us yeah. have seen. I have seen a lot of new movies. Right. Um. Me. Well, I have. They're not new time. to me. You've probably seen the ones that I've I've seen and you've enjoyed them probably. Okay. Well, I let's let's run through the rewatches and then we'll get into the new stuff and that, we'll see that, which ones we can talk about in depth and which ones we want to tease um because some some of mine are still fairly new like came out a week ago gotcha so uh with that in mind let's go retro what, what have you been re-watching or watching for the first time but it's old as hell um 
well, retro just being the, the keyword here, I watched a little movie called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. I saw it popped up on Prime or something, or maybe it's on HBO. I forgot how much I love that movie. Fred Williamson, right? Ward. No, Ward, excuse me. Fred Williamson is from Dust Till Dawn. Right. Yes. Yeah. And VHS, which I still don't think you've seen. Did you watch VHS? Or not VHS. VFW. No, I haven't seen VFW. This year. It, yeah. Is it I feel like it's somewhere? streaming somewhere now. Okay. I've, I've been waiting for it to come when I'm to rent it. So yeah. I'll look for it. You can wait for our, for October. I mean, I'm I really got to correct that in my brain because my instinct now is to always say October and people will be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like in regular conversation? What are yeah. you doing for Halloween? Oh, in October I do this. October no. I do this. That's funny. Okay. Yes, Fred Ward. Um, I, I don't remember much about this at all. You don't? Other than, I mean, I've, I remember renting it at least once or twice. I remember watching it, but it's one of those I feel like if I put it on, it would like, as scenes are happening, you do that thing where you're like remembering it as it's happening. So it's still kind of fresh, mm-hmm. but it's oddly familiar at the same time. Right. It would be one of those for me. The thing that I think people will remember about this is the the, the box art of him hanging off the side of the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And essentially it is, you could kind of, kind of relate some of it to today. So he's a cop. He's out doing his thing, you know, busting up bad guys. He gets tricked into fighting this group and he, you know, he wins the day. And then all of a sudden he gets, you know, police cruiser gets pushed off into the water and you're like, okay, well they have a funeral for him. And, but wait a minute, he's, he's still alive. So he gets approached by a guy that's like, Hey man, we were looking for somebody. You're an ex Marine. You're a cop. You got no family. You're the perfect person for us. You've been he was recruited. the original ghost, the a, original one underground. Yes, Mr. Exactly. Remo Williams. Yeah, you could argue that. And so, but but the the conceit is so funny because like, well, if you don't, we're just gonna kill you. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> very like Escape from New York. You know, you don't do this. It we're is, just murder. Okay. You're, you're dead okay. already. Who cares? He's investigating like it's a new military weapon of some sort. So the basic premise is that Wolford Brimley. Yeah, I remember Brimley. And the this oh, other I guy. Remember yeah. This other guy, they have basically take like you make they make it out to be like it's this big organization. It's the three of them. And he has a big Wolfer Brimley basically sets up shop in the National Bank. He has a bunch of supercomputers. And I love the joke of like, thought they're making these things smaller. It's like these are the small ones. And there's like tons of fucking computers. And the premise is that Wolfer Brimley has has using this supercomputer to like track all the crime and like what he can get his hands on to like do do good without any red tape you know politicians get off and he pulls up like oh yeah this guy spoke out about this company he disappeared then his wife and his kid disappeared later too nothing ever happened to that guy so he's cued in on these basically these people cued in yes (laughs) (laughs) he's that was not us winking to any QAnon people out there. I oh. think you're all fucking crazy. Okay. Just want to put that on the record. Maybe this is where it all started. I don't know. <laughs> okay. um, but he's basically like, okay, this is this guy who's running this, you know, new military uh, contracting business, whatever. They're up to no good. Like they're they're appropriating funds. They're getting away with murder. They're doing this and that. And you know, but they realize Remo's brand new at this. He's got to go get trained. And so they send him to his, a Vietnamese, an elderly Vietnamese man named Chon. And, or Chun, Chun, I think is how they pronounce Dude, his name. Dude, I might want to rewatch it. Yeah. 
Are you going to tell me the whole plot again? And the rest of the movie <laughs> is just hijinks between him learning how to be cat-like, dodge bullets, all this fun shit. And, and it then, feels like an origin story, and it never got a sequel, correct? It didn't. Okay. No. But it was of, definitely like, we're banking big on the Remo Williams name. Pretty much. I mean, people, there's there's some other... What's re- the subtitle? The Adventure Begins. The Adventure, okay. Yeah. Um, they should have just gone with continues it and just confused the fuck. Well, see, out it's everybody. based off. This is kind of like you remember how like last year there was that Spencer whatever movie with Marky Mark and it's based off a book series. This is kind of the same thing. It's, it's the based destroyer. Off of the show Spencer for hire as well. Correct. I think it's just the Spencer book series. I don't know. Maybe the Spencer for hire is the book series too. I don't know. Spencer for hire. That's Robert Blake, right? Maybe with the parrot and hawk as his. Maybe. I don't know. You have to look it up and see. I just know Peter Berg talked about it to Mark Marin and was like, this is all based off books because this guy not wrote tons of books. Sp- not Robert Blake. Robert Blake was Beretta. Right. Yeah. He had the parrot. Right. Spencer for Hire. Hold on a second. Yeah. Anyway. it's this Robert year- Urich. Urich. That's it. Yeah. And I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can tell me who played Hawk. Can you give me a hint? Well, I'm not going to give you the hundred bucks if I give you the hint. Now, give me it's, 50. now it's down to one. All right. Um, he was in a movie we did on Two by Two Retro Review. Um, little movie called The Big Hit. Don't tell me Lou Diamond Phillips was Hawk. No, Avery Brooks was oh, Hawk. Whoops. Never mind. Yeah, Paris. Just shows you where my mind's at. Okay. LDP. Yeah. All day. It's all I'm thinking about most yeah. of the time. <laughs> I guess. I'm thinking about the last couple episodes of Breaking Bad. You're just thinking about Lou Diamond Phillips. It is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Breaking Bad with Lou Diamond Phillips. Let's Are you done it. with Remo Williams? Um, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> it's fun. The thing I didn't realize, what I thought, and I, it's still problematic to this day. The old Vietnamese man is Jennifer Gray's dad. Oh, really? Joel, Joel Gray. Okay. But like, he won a bunch of awards for like the performance, like. Like he what got awards did he win for Remo Williams? He won like a bunch of like lower level stuff, but didn't make it. But he got nominated for a bunch of stuff, and I think he won like you know like the smaller, not big Oscars, not Globe Golden Globes, but like he got nominated for that that stuff. I believe literally had no idea that yeah. Joel Gray was Jennifer Gray's father. Me neither. I did that. Found out in my research the other day. I was like, "Holy shit!" Your research. Well, because like, it's, are we doing a Remo Williams episode? No, I just wanted to know more about it because I'm like, why did? Because to me, the movie why didn't it happen? No, yeah, you're in the middle of the '80s. You've got your Rambo's. You got this, and then you have someone like Fred Ward, who you could essentially, you could essentially argue this could have been the Die Hard because it's '86, '87. I think it's an everyman who's just a cop. He doesn't have huge muscles. He doesn't, he's got brawn, he can fight, but he doesn't have a lot of smarts, and he's learning all of it, so, like, why didn't this take off? And a lot of people think it's just because, you know, Fred Ward wasn't that big of a name, and that's what you needed in the 80s. But it's a class, I mean, it's a cult classic. This is a Bob movie. Like, Bob turned me on to this movie. Like, that and, there's vice versa, I think, is when he showed me first, too. The first power as well? Yes. LDP on yeah. the brain? Always gotta okay. take it back to LDP. All right. Yeah, so Remo Williams, that's one of my, uh... Retro rewatches. Okay. These are still available on Hulu if you've never watched them before, but pretty much all of the Christopher Guest movies okay. are on Hulu. Rewatch Waiting for Guffman, rewatch Best in Show. Uh, I'm going to do Four Year Consideration soon and A Mighty Wind as well. I've seen them all before. Infinitely rewatchable comedies. If you've, Have you seen any of those? I've seen. 
I feel like you have to have seen Best in Show. Yes, I've seen Best in Show, and I saw Waiting for Government a long time ago. They're just incredible. And they were like, I'm always looking for a good comedy and trying to remember old ones that like Veronica hadn't seen. And literally Hulu posted all of those at once, and I was like, this is gold right here. If you've never seen a Christopher Guest movie. And Christopher Guest is like... Married to Jamie Lee Curtis. And he was in The Princess Bride, right? Yes, and Spinal Tap. He's... Who is he in Prince? He's he's Humperdinck the, the six fingered man. Oh, he's a six fingered man. Yeah, I don't know why I thought he was Prince Humperdinck. Okay, no, Chris, uh, that's Chris Sarandon. Oh, Humperdinck. That's right. Susan Sarandon's brother. If Whoa. I'm not mistaken, right? Chris Sarandon so. and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, and he's the original Fright Night. That's Humperdinck, dude. That yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Dandridge. Yeah. Wow. It's all connected. It is, dude. Six degrees of six degrees, <laughs> which should lead us to something you want to talk about a little bit. Beautiful web movies are. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful <laughs> web they weave. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I did the the Christopher Guest run, still working on that. Rewatched Donnie Darko for the first time forever. Honestly, it was on the back of our Southland Tales conversation. I was mm-hmm. like, let's do let's do the run. Let's watch the the rest of the Kelly output. I think I forwarded you a podcast recorded i think earlier this year mm-hmm. like pre-covid yeah it was with him yes yeah um on a sci-fi movie related podcast just fantastic interview top to bottom and a great check-in where i was like he's doing totally fine i'm sure and he he's is. gonna like he says he's got a bunch of irons in the fire essentially and he does kind of vaguely reference the possibility of tv which i'm like again that's all i want i want a controlled small series for him and I, I, I would love with to the see amount it. of networks out there now, you it's it's the fact that if uh, this is terrible to say, I don't like to talk this way because it sounds pretentious. If you can't get something made for someone, then it just must not be good because there's tons of places that want well, your see, stuff. That's the that's the conundrum though, is because you still hear about certain people like we talked about it with the Five Bloods earlier this year, mm-hmm. where he shopped that around to like every major studio. And Netflix was the only place that would give it a green light. And that's why he went there. But at the same time, Netflix has this fucking, it's not even a shotgun approach. It's like a bazooka. I don't know what you want to call it. Or an atom bomb of just content. And I mean, in my personal opinion, like 75% of their originals, you can dismiss out of hand. Yeah. And then within that remaining 25, there's some okay stuff to good stuff. And then there's like, this very small level of cream at the top, which is about ten movies, of original original shows. Netflix produced, not we picked it up afterwards, right. but literally they put down the money for it. Mm-hmm. That is a very small amount of films in the grand scheme of things. And they, T- original series wise, you lump that in there, you know, we get a little bit better again, ratio. That's but, what. You, but that's what happens when you operate cash poor. Their stock is killing it. It's it's been on the rise. It survived Walt Disney coming after him. It survived Hulu. Everything. Their stock is killing it. They're going to operate cash poor. They're gonna they're gonna buy what they can for cheap. They're gonna get rid of. They got to get rid and sell something to somebody else. They'll sell it. Be syndication rights. They'll do whatever they they have to. They're wheeling and dealing. But like you said, the, yeah, there's maybe ten movies, maybe four shows that they produce, and that's because. The money they do have to actually put into good stuff, they don't just throw it away on stuff. They they'll, they'll greenlight something like my my friend that was doing the um, Outer Banks. Outer Banks, yeah, she's actually coming back down here in the next couple of weeks because they're getting back at it. They they got brand new protocols in place. They're gonna start shooting season two. 
I got to sit down with her and talk about season one. Well, yeah, and shooting in the time in COVID times. Essentially, yeah. that's a. I told uh, her I wanted to wait for about a week that. after she started just to get a her to get a feel for it, and well, then I want you've to been meet teasing up and, that conversation yeah. for I feel like a solid six months. So maybe well, like, we can I finally gotta, record. Yeah, no, I got to watch the the show first. I got a, a lot to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, get on it. All right, these are my last two um, ones I've I've already seen, but I rewatched again. All right, and that is um, Aquaman and Fast Five, and okay. it's solely because they were on HBO and I was staying at mom and dad's house. All right, yeah, enough said. Saw Aquaman in the theater. Mm-hmm. It was a fun time. That's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> I really, I realized when I actually sat down and watched it that there was a lot I didn't remember. I feel like I would have a similar experience where, like, if I went back, I would. It could go one of two ways where I'm like, "Oh, this was even better than I remember," or like, "Oh, I was just like kind of blindsided by like, oh, cool visuals," and ignored a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, there's some there's some solid sequences in that movie. I think it probably still hangs together. Oh yeah. Um, and what was the other one? Sorry. Uh, Fast Five. Fast Five. I've been. I've been contemplating, because uh, you know I haven't seen the tail end of the franchise, and then it's like they push nine so far that I was like, maybe now's the time. Maybe now's the time I go back and like try and get reinvested. I've seen five. I think it's one of the best action movies of the last decade. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think I even saw six. Six, the runway. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen six. I've listened to every How Did This Get Made yes, podcast about say. them, so I know all of the beats. And I did see Hobbs and Shaw in the theater, but yeah, I'm I've, I've been out of pocket. I would for, be uh, interested seven in... through eight or six through eight. Excuse me. And I only watched eight once, so I would be interested in exploring that with you. In so much as we do the proper order of things, okay. So we do one, two, four, five. Six, three, seven, eight. I mean, if you want to guarantee some some extra listeners, mm-hmm. we should definitely mainly do, all my friends. We should definitely do Fast and Furious. The, the at ten some friends point. that I have. I feel like that's a pretty solid uh, yeah search engine generator mm-hmm. type thing. But yeah, maybe we do the chronological order Rewatch, to, yeah. to keep it fresh. I, mm-hmm. That would be interesting for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Because okay, it plays well, you... into my narrative. Like I've said, from, I don't know if I've said on this podcast, I've said it to you. It plays into the narrative that like the reason why my buddies love this movie is because it's older vehicles. Okay, I got it. We're just going to totally rip off the original first season of Blank Check, where they did the Star Wars prequels. Right. As if they had never seen another Star Wars movie. They approached each of them the as comedy, like they would get to the end of it. The gold we could have with that. If they we would just get to the end of it, it. Yes. And be like, oh, so there's a there's an episode two. And they get to the end of the prequel trilogy and they're like, oh, hold on a second. So he made guys. He made these test run movies back in the 70s and 80s. And then finished them in the 90s? <laughs> and they watched the... Because, of course, the originals aren't technically available anywhere, so they watched the edited, you know, the 96 remasters. We have, we have them. Yeah, well, no, we have them. Just saying. I bet that's but anyways, right that's, that's what I think we should do. We just approach it as... Because, again, there's a huge chunk of the franchise I haven't even seen. You know the character beats way more, and I am basically coming in as a novice, other than the fact that I was obsessed with the original when it came out. And dude, I'll um, put it up to the 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 original, 
for what it was and what it's done. If you'd have told me that that movie that you loved that I wasn't into became a billion dollar franchise, I would be like, you're fucking crazy. Me, and it's also part of it. It's Rob Cohen, dude. You were a Rob Cohen guy. Rob Cohen's a piece of shit. We can get into that when we do this podcast eventually. But I'm not a good dude. Uh, Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. You heard it here first, folks. It was mom, more than anything. We just really really bought in on Vin Diesel, yes. the movie star, really early. Yes. I'm talking like I saw knockaround guys and I was like, this guy's the next fucking De Niro, man. Like, <laughs> come on. This is his mean streets. And it's like in retrospect, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? No, no. Let's just make it a Vin Diesel podcast. Dude, He's I mean, in every one of these movies except for three, which we can all we can we can throw three in there. Just he does show up at the very end. There, it, there's already a Vin Diesel podcast, a pretty popular one. All right, never mind. But I like the, and again, there's Fast and Furious podcasts to, to beat the band. You could find plenty of them. But I think us going through them chronologically, approaching each one as this is the only movie in this franchise, essentially, and trying yeah. to look at it that way, I think there's something there. We just have to make sure we remind ourselves as we're recording that we're not allowed to mention any further movies. Because yeah. I'll be tempted to be like, let's get it. Well, when they get to five, you're gonna, it's going to flip the script. But like, I can't. I, I won't do that. The comedy between us. So what's the first one technically? The Fast and the Furious. That is the original start point. There's nothing that predates. No. Okay. I didn't know if they started going like deep back in the timeline. I don't know, man. Literally, the only reason they do that is because... So the shuffle is really after four or three takes place in some weird nether realm. Exactly. This is the brilliant part about that franchise. The way that when Vin Diesel comes in to do three as a, and like we'll do a fourth one in order to get his Riddick movie made. That's the deal he does. It's perfect to the point that Paul Walker says, I'm having Vin do my contracts whenever it's time to renegotiate because that guy gets what he wants. So when they make four, they make four is like, oh my gosh, everybody's back together. They put five as a, we should really rebrand this franchise. It's kind of like, it's kind of lost its mojo from just being about vehicles. It needs to be more about something else. Family. Okay. And heists. Yes. Because fucking people love heist movies. We've decided, we've established that, you know. So six becomes, how do we loop in this other random ass movie that like they had to make or lose the rights? And they, they managed to shoehorn it in at the end of six the start of seven, they shoehorn in what happens with number three. And then, of course, nine, the trailer he's I alive. saw, yeah. he's fucking alive again. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I, I, and again, we'll leave it I at know, that. We'll talk about I know it later. So, I know so much about Han mm-hmm. as just a, like, oh, my God, man. Dude. Like, fucking just Sun from Kang just, is amazing. Just dude. from the outside. But, um, yeah, I think there might be something there. I also need to check and make sure that nobody has already done that exact same structure of doing them that way. It'll be but okay if we do so, it because you know, it'll be fuck funny. it because yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, it'll be give me an excuse to talk to my buddies about the movie too. Okay. I did uh, a little Michael Sarah twofer. Okay. It's the ten year anniversary. Nigga Scott... Norris having a playlist. What's that? What? It's the ten year anniversary of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, so I watched that for like the billionth time. It's still great, and it's on Netflix right now. And then, yeah, uh, Nick Nora's Infinite Playlist was the second one. <sighs> Their chemistry holds up 100%. Who's, saving who's, grace of the movie. Who's the two of them Michael again? Sarah and Kat Dennings. Ah, that is Kat um, Dennings. Everything around it, save 
Ari Grainer as the drunk best, one of the classic drunk best friends in movie history. Just totally nails the annoying drunk girl vibe. The just the are you guys mad at me? <laughs> All that stuff. Puke, puking up her gum and then putting it right back in her mouth from a public toilet. Just total gross-out stuff. Anyways, all of that is great. Everything else around it just did did not work for me this time. I forgot. Again, in your head, you're like, oh, movie had a great soundtrack, right? There's three good songs in that entire movie. In my memory, though, I think I just had such nostalgia for it that I was like, Oh yeah, it's great. All these like interesting indie bands and everything. You go back and listen to it. Most of it is unrecognizable hmm. and not very good. And the kind of thing where it like overly intrudes on the vibe of how it's wanting you to feel in given moments. Yeah. So that one's a little rough. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World still a masterpiece, shockingly. Hmm. So uh, yeah, those two. You got another one, or should I just finish mine out? I'm, the rest of these I have are brand. Well, I don't know. I'm going to tell you about this one. It's new to me. You probably didn't watch it, but I watched it a while ago, and I just kind of put it on this list because I don't remember if I told you about it. But I watched the most recent Rambo movie. I don't remember if you remember me telling Oh, my God. I didn't even bother with the... Did the I, have I told one. you that I watched that before? I'm getting like, Mom, I'm kind of forgetting something I don't now. think so. Yeah, no. It's... Um, Trash. A steaming pile of cow dung. Um, the first half okay. is trash she the and i saw second half she is, and i saw john rambo or whatever the one prior rambo rambo this is rambo one. last blood okay we saw just straight up i swear it was called john rambo it might have not been just rambo maybe but anyways we saw the one from i guess like 10 years ago mm-hmm. right when he like he had done balboa and it was like oh dude he still got the magic we saw that in theaters. We were like, what the hell? We did not expect this to be that good. Mm-hmm. And so we rush out to go see it and talk about one of the most grimly violent movies mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, yeah, I did not bother with Last Blood. Heard it was deeply, deeply problematic on a lot of levels. Yeah, a lot of Deals like... with immigration, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's pretty much like... I don't know. It's... We don't have to go into detail. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> but just for the listener, if you're worried. If you just want, like, a, a Rambo movie to watch, just watch, like, three again. You know? It's fun to watch. <laughs> that one's not problematic at all. No, I mean, we we're yeah, we were totally with the Mujahideen, <laughs> and we were fighting the Russians, and then the Mujahideen double-crosses on 9-11. We get it. But, like... How about just go back to First Blood, which is a brilliant movie. Yes, it is. It's amazing. Just the just rest of that it. Yeah, franchise exactly. exists. I mean, if you don't have First Blood, you don't have Roy Campbell in Metal Gear Solid. It's just a fact. Same thing as if you don't have Kyle Reese, you don't have uh, Solid Snake. Um, the end part, there's no. it doesn't give me any value because it's like it's not his real family. It's just a family that lived on the farm that he grew up on. Right. And they kind of like let him live there and like do his thing. And then... There's the whole, like, I don't like it when someone saves someone only to have them die. Like, just don't find them, like, or find them dead. Be like the the glimmer of hope of, like, but oh, the, you're like almost, yeah, yeah, you just show up and then the person, yeah. Did, yeah. And then, like, of course, for whatever reason, I, and maybe this is a new trend in action movies, you have to have your hero, like, get beat down and, like, get all fucked up to come back. Like, John Wick. A new trend in action movies. Is this a thing? I mean, I don't remember. When does. Arnold never got beaten the fuck up until recently, right? Like, But Die Hard was... Li- we talk about this all the time. 
Die Hard is literally where that trend stops, where you start to move away from your muscle-bound dudes, right? And you get into guys who feel actual pain, etc. That's echoed with Indiana Jones right. throughout the '80s, where he's actually scared of stuff. He gets roughed up. He gets beat the shit beaten out of him every movie. That's a thing, man. It's yeah, been it a just thing for but, a while. But it's a thing for like regular dudes. Like well, Stallone, nowhere well, in, agree, in any of the Expendable movies, there's no part where they're like, Again, oh, we're, we're talking about the fifth Rambo movie. Right. So yeah, you have to up the stakes in the same way that, yeah, in John Wick 3 Parabellum, it's like, how many dudes have we seen him kill? You have to, essentially, that whole movie is just tiring him out until he will fight Mark Dacascos, which is what we're waiting to see. Right. But yeah, it's literally like, even in this state where he has been totally exhausted, I'm talking about John Wick now. Totally exhausted through the entirety of this movie. Even at that point, he still takes out the top dude. And it's just like, he he's the fucking Baba Yaga, man. You cannot. Yeah. You can shoot him and he can fall off of a roof. And guess what? Larry Fishburne's not actually dead and he's going to save him. And I swear to God, the next movie better be Fishburne, Keanu, and Jason Manzoukas as the TikTok man killing everyone. And bring in, of course, excuse me. The, who's the bellhop? It's Lance Reddick, but I forget the character's name. What about their long-lost love interest played by Carrie Ann Moss? I mean, we should get all three oh, of them back gotta, together. She's got to yeah. do it. Man. Well, we get Matrix 4 next year anyway. Yeah, and then we should have Joey Pats be the bad guy. Like He should be the dude. ultimate bad dude. The, like the slimy, greasy guy well, that's been like, Well, you and I already dude, said, dude, we just I'm, I'm fourth, telling you, dude. Tig needs to come in, though. The height oh, with those God. two. If we don't have Tig it. in a couple of months... This year is oh, going to go we'll shit. See. We'll see. I'm just, hey, we're getting a third season. That's all I care about. I'm, that so. is going to be the savior of this year. But anyway, let me, <laughs> last thoughts on Last Blood. The end sequence where he basically like gets the Mexican cartel to come to his house that he's now booby trapped like Vietnam he had. Pretty fucking brutal and nasty. And I loved it. But like <laughs> the rest of the movie, Man, garbage. I fucking, dude, I love I love like gratuitous violence for the sake I know, of gratuitous dude, violence. I, I'm there it's with so, you. I do. For, for the most part, but just, I just... Just because I want to see what they'll do. Because I remember, and you can watch it now, when shit looked real and you watch it now and it's like, oh, dude, that's clearly some fake watermelon head full of whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea, like, we talked about it a bit with Rodriguez, like, I'm going to add bullet holes in, in CG later. Mm-hmm. And it looks amazing. Like, I just want to know where the, it's going to go, where the genre is going to go, what we're going to do. Rambo doesn't really move it any at all, but is it still fun to watch like a guy who's basically lost everything lure the people that he knows he's better than lure him onto their home turf and like just annihilate the fuck out of him? Sure, why not? I well, yeah, but I feel like you've seen those movies in general trend downward in the last several right. years, and the very like hyper masculine revenge focused movies. I'm thinking the Death Wish remake as well. They just haven't like lit the box office on fire. There's a very small niche of people who are going to show up for those mm-hmm. in the theater. Um, yeah, and case in point right here, I still haven't watched the Death Wish remake and I haven't watched Rambo for no other reason than I'm just like, I know McLean, or excuse me, I know Willis is like checked out on this one. I can usually tell by the trailer, like whether he came to play. Oh no, he did. Like he was, dude. No, I promise you, because the whole bit. You gotta listen to Eli Roth. He did. He did everything. Was like, look at that. And Eli Roth's like, no. What I did. He's like, no. You don't know how to do that. 
what do you mean? He's like, you you don't know how to do this. You need to be an unkillable. We talked about yeah, this. Yeah, you know, and like that, I, and maybe that's the problem. He feels so out of focus, he just doesn't know what he, but I, if I'm going to give any of them a, 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 a review that I would go for, it's going to be Death Wish, because okay. like, I fucking love Eli Roth, I love Death Wish, the original with Bronson, and I love Bruce Willis. And, I mean, you got, what's his face from uh, Breaking Bad in there? You got, um... <sighs> D'Onofrio, I mean, what do you got? What do you? You got D'Onofrio, you got no complaints. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, have you seen the clip that was circulating? Right, just that, of course, made me think of Fargo. Got Jose Feliciano playing. You got no complaints. <laughs> hey, did you see the clip that was circulating recently of Jose Feliciano butchering um, every every breath you take? Right. <laughs> no. Every breath you take, every step you take, it's every breath. It's every breath you take. Every breath you take is the title. Thank you. It's at like an, I think it's honoring Sting or something. It's one of those where like somebody else is playing your song and of course they have the camera on you the whole time and he's just straight butchering the song and you watch Sting go through the like, well, obviously I know I'm being watched right now. Like they had a famous one, I think years ago, I forget which ceremony it's part of, but where Hart covered uh, Stairway to Heaven and Robert Plant is literally like brought to tears by Hart doing it because it's a beautiful rendition. Okay, okay? all right, I was it's safe. the same setup, but it's Jose Feliciano doing every breath you take, and Sting is just like, you see him warring with you. Just got to see his face, dude. I can't even do it justice. It's hilarious. I think but it's I know just what you're talking about. I think I've seen a, a, st- a still from that. I don't yeah, think I've it was circulating thing. like last week. Okay, again. okay. Uh, what what have I got left for you? Okay, rewatches. Sin City, uh, that was on the tail end of the the Scott Pilgrim vibe. We're still in a comic book mood, and then spinning off of that, uh, this was back last month. Yeah, towards the end of July, the twenty sixth, it was uh, old Stanley Kubrick's ninety second would have been Stanley Kubrick's ninety second birthday, unless you believe that he's still out there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's living in the same place he shot that moon landing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I decided to go with the killing. Uh, mainly because I needed a short one because usually most of his movies are a commitment. But I was like, I haven't watched my Criterion Blu-ray in a while. I'm going to pull that puppy out. And The Killing holds up, just in case anybody was wondering. It's great. I think I talked about it most recently with Sunshine Mayfield on a podcast on this feed. Okay, Uh, very last one. Veronica Throne, Beauty and the Beast on Disney+. Plus. The live action? The, I the can't, original. We can't even say the original. The original's from like 1920-something, I believe. The the 90s version, yes. Okay. The one we grew up on. One of my favorites of the original. Like that classic Disney 90s run. Or oh, yeah. late 80s into the 90s run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the... Like, I came in and she had it on already. It was the very opening with the opening like narration and the stained glass and everything. And I literally was like, I recognize this narration. I know this is Beauty and the Beast but this can't look this good, right? Right. I had not seen the new HD transfer. I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing I didn't do with Disney Plus is to watch any of the animated stuff from childhood. Like, I just Aladdin went through all looks of the... absolutely incredible wow. in HD. Like, all of those, yeah. I only watched the classics, which look amazing, actually. Yeah. Treasure Island and... No, all of that. And weirdly, the, the Pixar ones, the early Pixar movies, are the ones that are caught in this weird yeah. realm of, like, Ah, Bugs Life's looking a little rough these days. I don't know. We watched that one shortly after we started it. But anyways, I canceled my Disney Plus because there's no Mando for a while. Mm-hmm. I watched Hamilton 
and I don't really know that they have anything else that I'm like I need to be watching this right now, and I barely use the app. What so that was kind of my. What with the 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 Winter Soldier and Bucky with like oh, that I, show? Whenever the Marvel stuff starts popping, thought, maybe I'll renew. Did they push it back? I thought it was supposed I to be. I think out all already. of that stuff has been pushed back. Oh. Okay. Presumably because they were probably doing post and they've just been slowed down because of circumstances. I just knew they had a date right as quarantine was starting and everybody's right. like, well, shit, hell yeah, yeah we're going to get all this. trailer at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, whenever those drop, uh, I will renew my subscription. But I basically got rid of that to go ahead and jump over to HBO Max for a little bit. Yeah. So I could watch one of my new movies that I know you haven't gotten to. Um, did I, wait, did I get all my rewatches? Yeah, I said Beauty and the Beast. HBO Max, one of their originals, An American Pickle. Yes. Starring Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. You seen the trailer? I have. Heard him talk about it. Sounds good. You listened to the Marin interview? I did. I'll check a good it out. One. Yep. Bunch of Jews um, talking Jews. I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've actually seen it twice. I watched it a couple nights ago by myself. And then I told Veronica the premise, and she was like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that. A, a guy gets brined in pickles for 100 years and wakes up in 2019 discovers his great great grandson and yeah it's it's a fun time Hmm. solid concept i love where they take it because so it's not it's a you know it's not inherently obvious like oh okay i like this premise this setup but it could go a lot of different ways um i think they take it in an interesting direction i laughed consistently throughout and it's got some actual heart to it as well it pulls it all together at the end um, just comparing it to like recent Rogan movies, I liked Long Shot from I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit better, mainly because there's more supporting stuff going on. This is literally him, him, okay, and it's it's great, and I he really does a good job with the two separate characters. There are some killer cameos, one of which I know you will absolutely die laughing at. So oh, you sure. do need to watch it, right. and we'll trade logins yeah. before you leave. Word for reals. Okay, so that was a new one, and again, people were probably still checking it out. I don't know, that, I don't know that anybody jumped over to Max specifically to watch this, but if they did, I you know if you did it for a trial, I wouldn't see you being disappointed. I have mainly used it. I already talked about Search Party. This is the last like thing I'll say on the HBO front before we get into our our semi mini reviews. I have mainly used it because they have a bunch of Criterion stuff that is buried. Um, Because there's no like subcategory for it, you just kind of got to look between their international stuff, their classics, etc. But I just I have access to movies that I was like, I'll never be able to track these down. They're not readily available to stream anywhere unless you have the Criterion app. And it's like I could blind buy one of these Blu-rays for thirty dollars, and then you know feel like, oh, this is good. I see why it's part of this collection, but I'm never gonna rewatch this again. You don't want to get caught in that space necessarily. Yeah. Uh, so I'm loving it for that right now, but I also have not actually. There's too much selection. I have like that's I have like dude. 15 samurai movies in my queue right now because I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima and I'm in that mode. But I cannot choose between the the, the Kurosawa, the Masumi movies. I, there's too too much, and again, stuff that I've like I've always wanted to see this, and now I can. But it's all too much at once, and I can't decide. And I spend an hour trying to nail it down, and then I gotta go to bed and go to work. But I'm off tomorrow, so I'm, so watching, seven so, I'm, I'm watching something after you leave. I, again, Seven Samurai, one of the few that I didn't have to add because I have it 
as part of my criterion, but I don't own any other Kurosawa movies, and I've only seen like two other ones. What's the one where like the 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 son gets kidnapped and like the the father has to rely High and low? Is that it? It's like the father has to ask it's, his boss to help him it's out. It's modern Japan, essentially, like right. post-war Japan. It's not one of the period pieces. Yeah, no, it's but high and low is what. But that's what it, I didn't know the name of it. I like yeah. that one. That was a, I enjoyed the shit out of that. Um, I had to watch that for a film class. I think High and Low is not on HBO Max, but that was one of mine that I would love to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, so that's mainly what I've been using it for. I plan on catching up on some some old stuff, so maybe you and I can coordinate and maybe we'll resurrect retro 2 by 2 retro reviews or yeah, something. Yeah, come back the last half of the year, starting off with October. Yeah, okay. We've been doing this for about an hour. Maybe it's time to talk about something we can go a little more in depth on, and then we can wrap this thing up. Uh, maybe you, you let me finish with my new rewatches, and then or my new watches, and then we'll talk about the rental. How, uh, how many new ones you got? I yeah. watched Midway. Okay. Came out last year in summer. Really solid. Tracks everything that happens with the Battle of Midway. Nothing doesn't reinvent the war movie, but it's actually pretty solid. Main thing I didn't realize: the uh, main dude is a uh, bad guy from Deadpool, and I think he can pretty much hold his own. Got it's some nice green. Yeah. Got uh got old Aaron Eckhart in there as Jimmy Doolittle. Solid. Talk about what who was I having this conversation with? You and I had this conversation. No, 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 no. Recently I was having a conversation about Edward Norton. Oh. In regards to Motherless Brooklyn, whether I, I had watched it. That or was not. another one I watched. Okay. And I have not watched it yet, so tell me your thoughts in a minute. Obviously I need to. No, you need you okay. should. But I said in this conversation, I was like I haven't seen it yet. I know it got mixed reviews last year, but I'm going to get to it at some point because Edward Norton used to be like one of my top five guys. Like early 2000s, I would have told you he was like one of the five best actors working. Okay. Mm -hmm. I still think he's an incredible actor, but talk about a guy who has faded from leading roles into some very interesting supporting stuff. I love all the Wes Anderson collaborations. He's fantastic in Birdman. That was kind of the last great one. But even that, he's, you know, I think he's second or third build, but he's he's down there a bit. And again, comes in, kills it. But I'm like, maybe that era of him, and of course he comes back, first movie he's directed in like almost 20 years or something, keeping the face like 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Big period piece, gets the money together for it, talks about how it's more of a throwback movie. They don't make them like this anymore. And guess what? Because nobody goes to see them in theaters, apparently, because nobody saw that movie. Mm-mm. No awards consideration, no nothing. Uh, I say all of that to say, Aaron Eckhart is another guy who almost in the same era yeah. was one of my five. One of my absolute favorite guys in anything. And it kind of crested, like, thank you for smoking, I think, mainstream people were like, oh, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. Okay. And then he has Dark Knight, and after that, it's like lights out for Aaron Eckhart, man. Like, what happened? I, Frankenstein? What are we doing? What the fuck are we doing here? This is the best we can do for this guy? Just saying. And again, you know, maybe he just had his time. Some people some people fade a bit. Nature then, of the beast, man. It's just, you know, you some people do midway. Them. Yeah. You I win, mean, you lose, and then you do midway. I mean, he's just, I mean, compared to, I mean... You're going to put him up against Alec Baldwin as Jimmy Doolittle. I don't know. But, I mean, he's in there for a split second. It is basically a it's Pearl Harbor. You get a Pearl. I'll, and this is the one time I will say. I will only say this once and I'll never say it again. 
this movie, all the Pearl Harbor shit, better than Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. Gonna well, put it out there. All right. I said it once, I'm not talking about gonna, it again. They're gonna come after you. Yeah. All right. Better because of the special effects. That's it. Okay. Not real. It's all CG. Fuck them. That's okay. All right. Anyway. Uh, so Midway, I watched uh, Vivarium. I've seen this. Okay. What'd you think? You enjoyed it? Don't understand it? Bullshit? Kind of mad? Kind of angry about it all? I didn't, it's not that I didn't understand it. It's that I kind of got the point about 45 minutes into an hour and a half movie. Yeah. And I kept hoping that it was going to. Take this somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We're being very vague. Yeah, it is free streaming on Prime right now. Uh, this was one of those. I was starved for new stuff. I rented this for six dollars the weekend it premiered during Ooh. quarantine, and it Sorry was definitely it. one of those where I was just like, "Oh man, I really I was banking on this one because I I love the two of them. Yes, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots. I was like, dude, art of self defense. Get them back together again. Like, let's 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 go. I'm I'm down. I like the two of them together. And again, really interesting trailer, interesting setup. It did, didn't really go anywhere. I love some of the visuals. Yeah, the no, actual they're... like editing techniques and some of the set construction and the way they played with just like the visual geometry of everything. All of that worked for me, but I felt like at the end it really it didn't have anywhere to go. And once you kind of realize that it's it's a cycle movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes you can hit those, and like you get to the end of it, and you're like, "Oh wow!" Like this all clicks. This all makes sense. And sometimes it's like just kind of plotting towards the conclusion that you know it's gonna get to. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I expected when I threw that on. I thought it was gonna be way more out there and strange. And yeah, I agree. I, I can't. Get into you it. know, this and this is the problem. Everybody wants to be Lynch. Nobody can be Lynch. Right. And anytime you're watching somebody just palely imitate, you just you just like I should just be watching Mulholland Drive again. Right. I should just rewatch all of the. There's very few people I think could pull it <laughs> like, off. That, that, he is one of the most. Resin, sin- get close. There's there's shades for sure. What's but his he face? is one of those directors. Panos come, come. Panos. Yeah, he could. I put Panos more in the Michael Mann territory, almost a Wending Refn disciple in some ways. Timeline I think they could do they, if they if you gave them their they Lynch can, thing to they do. They can reach yes, they, they can, can get there. Reach those moments, right? But, um, they can't sustain it yeah, for a whole movie. Then get in there. general. I think people should just not even bother. Just let right. the guy do what he's going to do. Speaking of which, whatever that Netflix thing is, please just inject it into my eyeballs as soon as possible. I don't know if we're getting a series or a movie or what. He's doing something for Netflix. Fingers crossed. It's Mulholland Drive, the TV show. And it goes on until the day he dies. And they let him do as many seasons as he wants. And whatever he wants. Somehow we find out what happens, really happens at the end of the return through Mulholland Drive. Yeah, no, he just loops it all together. Because I'm fully convinced it's all one shared universe. Right. I think, I don't know if we chatted about this, but it's all but confirmed in Mulholland Drive. A movie that I've seen like 50 times... And only just recently discovered there's some Twin Peaks characters just in plain fucking sight in the middle of that movie. We got to do that podcast again. We, I got to get to this my, movie. That's my favorite bit is threatening to do that. Yeah. Again. Okay. Arkansas. <laughs> uh, saw the trailer. How was it? This is Clark Duke. I believe so. Directed, I believe. I think I, it's his first one. I believe so, yeah. Big fan of him in general. You uh, got Vince Vaughn being Vince Vaughn. 
can't complain. <laughs> right. Almost some shades of uh, season two, True Detective. Is a uh, little little Johnny Malkopi in there? Oh yeah. Okay. He's good. All right. Got baby Hemsworth. People want to talk shit about the kid. I love him. I think he can hold his own in anything. Liam. Liam. Oh, I love Liam. Fucking Liam Hunt for Hunger Games. <laughs> freaking, when he was on SNL, when, when Chris Hemsworth was like, oh, freaking Liam from the Hunger Games, like he was just making a joke about his brother. I was like, that that fucking family loves each other. That's amazing. Then, I don't know the guy who is places. Poor, poor Stubbs over on Westworld that everybody forgets <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Um, really, it, 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 I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know where it was going. The jumping around storytelling was fun. I, I Overall, with where it ended, I enjoyed it. Like It was just one of those, this is what drug dealers do. They basically, it's like a comment of like, you think drug dealers are all like Miami Vice and this? In the South, it's literally a loose network of people who know each other, and they may fuck them over any chance they get. Mm-hmm. It ain't glamorous. And what it is, you just do it. And here's what drug dealing's really like. Boom. And it's it's interesting. Did you ever see Leaves of Grass? No. Let me grab that. Let me grab that Blu-ray for you. Okay. Um, I might do that right now. Actually, yeah. um, do you have another one to tell me about? I do, but it's one I want to talk to you about just a little bit before we get into the rental because it really got to me. Okay. Well, I watched the Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh man, that movie is fucking gold. Yeah, I fucking love it, dude. I have not I fucking nothing. But why is that? Why was that not that the movie. best movie of last it, year? It was. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it had the highest per screen average yes. of any movie. It was a huge indie success, 100%. Good, okay. And it has been one of those that, like, just recently, too, because is it streaming on Prime now? It is it's free, free now, somewhere. and that's why I just watched Just literally it. in the last, like, couple weeks, the kind of third or fourth wave of people being like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, it is one of those that I think if it had more eyeballs on it last year, it would have been up for every major award, and I don't know why it wasn't. For and when not did to, Honey not Boy to come put, out? Was that this year? That was last year as well. He had a twofer. That Fantastic. Rashia Sants is what I was trying to come up with well, a cool he just, name. You know, he decided to screw it up. Well, he didn't because I guess he made it beforehand, but the tax collector, the one that just came out, he decided to burn all of that goodwill, apparently. What's the tax collector about? It's David Ayer. It's set in the, Of course, like, Gavin's like, oh, <laughs> fucking give it to me right what? now. What? He's a tax collector for a, a Latinx gang, um, and he's basically, you know, he's affecting like a cholo accent and everything. People are like, "Is this okay? Is this not? Is this weird?" And then, of course, it's like incredibly aggressively violent, as most David Ayer movies are. I again, I'm not gonna, I'm not dropping the seven dollars or whatever to rent this one. I may check it out eventually down the road. I like like two David Ayer movies. Um, okay. Yeah. But no, I knew I was like I figured you had already watched it probably. The tax you could have done it. You could have yeah. You could have done a triple feature. I didn't back know he was the, in it. Back to the fucking dude, Falcon, dude. Okay, if people haven't seen it, mm. go watch the trailer. It's amazing. Uh, the lead actor essentially is Zach Gottsigan, who basically inspired the entire production. He's a kid with kid with Down syndrome, and it. Again, it's one of those, if you saw, if this trailer had been cut any differently, I feel like people would have been like, you know, not into even giving it a shot. But I thought it perfectly presented the tone of the movie overall as well, which is that it's, it does not pander or cater to that in any way, shape or form where you think it's a message movie or anything. In parts of that movie where it tries to the other characters actively were like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop. Yes. He's not, there's nothing wrong with him. 
You're saying he can't do shit. Stop that shit. And I love it about that. And I love the heart of it and everything about it, dude. Like, it's so fucking good. We encourage everybody to go see it. One of the best movies of last year, bar none. But the one thing I will say to you, and we don't have to get into too much detail, but there's a moment, kind of tail end of the second act, maybe beginning of the third, where they've arrived at a certain destination... And they have, and it seems like it's not gonna go the way you think it's gonna go, and they're they're walking off, and, and you're to, just oh you're, you're sitting there going like, dude, is this seriously how this is gonna play out? And that then fucking Trans Am just comes barreling down the road, dude. A little, a little THC, yes, baby, dude, comes pulling in, in the Firebird. Thomas Hayden Church shows up, and it is one of the most triumphant moments I I've had recently. Cried I fucking cried my on the, eyes on the spot. out at that I fucking was, scene, dude. I've never I been love more it. happy to God. see to see Thomas Hayden Church in a movie, and I and I love some Thomas Hayden Church. Dude, I was I after having watched all the seasons of Wings earlier this year, late last year. And then seeing little bits and pieces, I was like, this is fucking perfect. I mean, I love me some LDP, but maybe THC deserves a series. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. And, you know, the thing we were talking about that we were recording that no one knows, there was a line about, you know, Jake the Snake in him, DDT in him, and Mausoleums. So when Jake the Snake was in it, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. And then fucking Mick Foley as the ref, I was like, what? What is this movie? I honestly, I don't know if this is a if this is something that 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 filmmaker would want to hear someone say, but I swear to God, this could be a Jeff Nichols movie. I yes, a hundred percent. And again, in the way that it treats the South in general, that I feel like a lot of filmmakers get wrong that are not right. from here. Right. Um, it just nails all of that, and it's like when we see movies like this, and and sometimes it's in good cases or bad, but it's like. I just know people like this, and I know this yes. vibe and this mentality. Right. So there's a shorthand with it that maybe you don't have, where other movies kind of over-explain character motivations or whatever. I can see John Hawks in this movie, and I'm like, I know this dude. I've I seen, totally I have friends know this, like this dude. dude. Yeah. yeah. And then you, but you see people like Shia, who's like in Gold Dream, is like, I'm going to go to Jupiter, Florida, mm-hmm. not big time, not. Not Orlando, not Miami, not... I'm going to go to Jupiter, Florida and get on boats and stuff. That's the lowest of low stakes dream in the history of movies. I don't know about the history of movies. Sorry, in the history of movies about the South. Sure. But just this movie... I would would throw in there a Jeff Nichols movie, Shotgun Stories, where a huge arc of one character's plot is trying to get power to their van... So that they can play cassettes that they like, or run a radiator through it. Okay. Where that's a huge. That's low stakes. Like, yeah, that's. A, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. No, no, I get those it. are yeah. the stakes of. I, yeah. I forget if that's boy or kid's life, but yeah. The, and I, I love gun stories. And I, I like love it. that he says that. This is the last thing I'll say about it. I love that he says about it. In the movie, he references the idea that they are on a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer esque journey, mm-hmm. and the movie hits all of those beats. And it handles so many parallels to like, if you even want to say that this is basically like, you know, a, a, an updated modern day Southern version of, um, well, I don't know if you would say Southern version of, of uh, Huck Finn, but like just looking at the parallels to like some of the things from that novel, there's, they can, you can track them across the whole movie. But the idea that like, this is that modern movie. And then I, I'll give it to you this dude. I was really worried for a minute that they were gonna put the, they were gonna like typecast Dakota Johnson as like 
she's just going to be the Fifty Shades girl. I knew she wasn't going to have a problem at the El Roy- uh, bad times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. But then I watched this and I was like, that girl's going to be okay because like she's completely. I'm in. I don't. I don't look. I don't, I have no baggage of her anywhere else. She seems completely believable. And the thing that that I think that most people will love about this that they may not see is there's just a lot of good heart and a lot of caring. There's it, a lot of it's just the epitome memes. of a feel good yes. movie, but not in the saccharine sweet way that you think about movies like that. Right. It is just honest and true. There's no other way to right. like describe it. Beautiful movie. Because the way he the way the one the, just one more thing I have to say about it, the way that Shia LaBeouf and her he moves in and out, like when he first meets her to when the, they meet back up again and they're on the journey. He just turns it on and off with like that, like he's so believable as this like kind of scruffy, like, you know, whatever Southern boy that's just about like trying to get one over or whatever. And it, but that's the caveat. It's like, well, no, 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 what? You know what, man? We're going to we're going to go. We're, I'll go with you. Come on, let's go. Yeah. As opposed to beforehand was I'll just take you here and I'm done and I don't slow me down this and that. Yeah. Finding out what what's actually going on is like, well, shit, dude, we're two guys on the lam. Let's go. I'm just, I, yeah. I cannot talk about that movie. I don't remember. I'm not aware if mom has seen it, but that's like dad would watch that one and and absolutely love it. We need to get the two of them to watch. If yeah, they haven't already. I might try. And mom do that and dad, this if you're listening, go watch yes. the Peanut Butter Falcon together. So you watched Honey Boy as well? No, no. I was wondering when Honey Boy was because they like were both I didn't. Last year. Okay, I didn't know if that was earlier. Prepare this year. yourself for Honey Boy. But is it rough? Only, what is it rough to deal with it's about his like childhood right yes and he's playing his father essentially yeah it's a little rough okay um it's one of those that like i will probably watch it one more time to like show it to somebody right but i saw it in the theater and i was like this is incredible i have no desire to watch this again and not even like a you know there's some other movies that are definitely way heavier way more one and done type but it was just it was emotionally wrenching because I have, it's the same reason I always still root for him because I have this really hardcore attachment to him at that age because I was kind of growing up with him. I right. loved even Stevens. I was like fully bought in. I thought he was the coolest kid his Dude. age. I thought he was the best actor. Um, and so when things started to take a turn after like the first Transformers movie and you start hearing crazier and crazier stories, like I... For a while, I got very dismissive about it, and for so all of that is wrapped up in Honey Boy. And yeah, if you have any kind of emotional attachment to him as a guy off screen, it will wreck you a hundred percent. But it's it's definitely worth your time, and it's free on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Now. Uh, okay. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was it. Okay. The next one I watched was The Rental. Well. Let's talk about it. I've got two other horror-adjacent related movies as well. All right. Um, but but let's, let's talk about The Rental, and then I'll give you my quick thoughts on those and see if you have any interest in seeing them. Okay. Okay. The Rental is the debut feature from little, little baby Dave Franco. Yeah. Baby Dave. Davey, as, he, as he's little been referred Dave, to. Little Davey Franco. Yeah. Um. Nailed as far as I'm concerned, dude. Um, I very solid. This is very very solid. Um, if anything, new, 2020, ahead. the year of the debut. I mean, we had we've a great had, debut we've with had fucking two great ones yeah. that come immediately jumped to mind. And uh, number one highest grossing drive-in movie of all time. 
The rental? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> because of the way they had to premiere it. Right. Um, yeah. Basic setup. If you haven't seen the trailer, you got two couples going out to an Airbnb in the mountains. Very nice place for the weekend. Kind of just for the hell of it. No real setup. Yeah. You got two brothers, Dan Stevens and a guy I do not know. Um, and Allison Brie, who I believe she and Franco are married. Yeah, they're married. That's they are wife. legit married. I knew they'd been together for a while, but I was like, are they married, married or not? Uh, so yeah, Allison Brie, and then we should, this is terrible. I'm not just going to name the two famous people and fucking forget about the right the other two. Because you're, you're not going to leave out Haas, right? Huss. 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 I was going to get there, but yeah. Maybe the other guy watching him is Lucas Haas. Maybe, you never know. <laughs> Lucas Haas definitely could have yeah, been he, in this yeah. movie. Um, okay, so it's Dan Stevens and his brother in the context of the movie, Jeremy Allen White, plays Josh. What do we know Jeremy Allen White from? I just know everybody who talks oh, about that. Oh, he's a shameless kid. Yeah, everybody who talks about that guy is like, that dude can literally do anything and they don't know why he's not a bigger star than he is. And they think it just probably has to do with shameless and pe- people knowing him from that. Um, and Sheila Vond? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rounds out the cast as Mina. Sheila Vond, oh, was in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. The mm-hmm. first uh, Lily Amrapur. Amrapur. I can always struggle with your name. Amrapur. So sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her debut. Right. Speaking of debuts. Okay. So they're going out to an Airbnb. Um, and they're a little, little off put by the caretaker, played by Toby Huss. Yes. Things... I just, again, it's new, it's fresh out there, people are still catching up to it. It escalates from there. Right. Um, as the trailer will reveal as much. I liked that I, while I was kind of ahead of this movie at different points, it never disappointed me with where it ultimately went, even though I was like, okay, obviously because of the way things were set up, it can't be that simple, right? There's got to be another element to it. Right. So... It was just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, and I love the I, I love a slow burn, man. Anytime Dude. you can take a solid hour and just build up the character tension with a little bit of external tension in the background, I'm always on board for it. And this, yeah, this gets into some interpersonal stuff, which I really, really dug. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to say anything more than that, other than I thought the last like 15 minutes or so were like genuinely very creepy and unsettling. The note yes, it left me on dude. was incredibly Fuck me, dude. It was one of those where I was just like, Oh, that that's disturbing. And so to know that this is born out of his his, his fear, own fear and like yes. wait a minute, we're so divisive of like the left and right and the other, but like we'll rent people's homes out right. for a while. And he says like when they were shooting it there were plenty of stories of like, oh, these people had cameras or like these people had horror stories happen to them and all that. Mm-hmm. And he did mention about how like I guess he was in some place and he felt like someone was like standing over him watching him when he was asleep in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And he woke up the next day and there was like dried blood and a Band-Aid next to him. He's like, I'm out. I'm done. Like changed my um, room and shit. I don't. I mean, this was written about publicly, so I don't feel like it's like, I don't know, spilling tea or whatever people say these days. There was a case literally like less than six months or maybe just over six or seven months ago down here. And I know about this peripherally because the hospital that Veronica used to work at is where this guy worked. And he was a doctor, a surgeon, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. who owns property on, I want to say Sullivan's Island, but maybe it was IOP. Mm -hmm. I forget. 
one of the big beaches down here. Right. Owned a rental property. And people at the rental property discovered tiny holes. Right. And literally, this was not some grand scheme with cameras and stuff. This was lo-fi. I drilled holes under the house to look upward. And this guy and his son were basically spying on, like, the young women in this family as they were showering, etc., and this guy owns multiple properties down here, and I never heard further articles about, are they investigating, like, to see, obviously this was a pattern, but I was like, this is just, yeah, a guy with way too much money and a, a total creep who does this in his spare time. And it was just like, so, so this is just right down here. So take this premise, audience, and imagine what happens if that guy just says, fuck it all. And takes it to the next level. That's yes, what this movie's about. Basically. That's exactly yes. what this movie's about. But literally. Except he, it's not guy, his property. This guy clearly had enough money to keep his name out of it. Because all it would say is a doctor at, uh, I won't say the name of the hospital. But they references like where he worked, but they never stated his name. And then I never saw any kind of follow up on like, did you look into this guy's property? But Damn. literally he was confronted by the people. Like, it was one of those things people were like. Is there a fucking hole? Somebody under there? And like ran around to the back and were like, what's going on here? And you would think, oh, it's some random creep. It's the owner of the property. Fuck, man. This rich doctor down here. Yeah. Please tell me he had like tools or something like, oh, I heard there was like a leak and it was like. I got to gotta find you this article. Dude, but I, that's... It, it was wild. Anyways. Remind so that's me. A, we can tell that story instead of talking about plot details. Yeah. Like, here's what I will say. Love Dan Stevens. Pretty much everything. And I, I, I don't want to spoil. Never mind. And I thought, I thought everybody was really solid. Toby Huss, though, really a standout for me. Again, without spoiling anything, of playing just the perfect the notes mouth. of uneasiness, where you're like, is there something off with this guy? Should I be alarmed? Is there enough for me to reason this away that it's a misunderstanding of some kind, right. etc.? And every, the way it plays with that tension is incredibly well executed. Every trend that the genre of horror has, even stuff. Based around home invasion or based around houses, I feel like Franco and whoever he wrote it with navigated. Joe Swanberg. Swanberg. Yeah. They navigated it brilliantly. They managed to pay homage to the genre with different things they do without it, but they also managed with how it is left to leave you utterly creeped out, unsettled, and unsatisfied. I don't want to see the rental, too. I don't want to know anything else about this person that's been watching these people. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I want to put it to bed. I'll watch this one is one I'll watch one more time with someone to show it to him. And when we both leave, I, I, creeped I out would, again. I would check this out probably a couple more times in, yeah. in October scenarios. But. Yeah, and that's what I'm going to save it for. Anybody that wants to watch it, you watch it with me in October. October, and we'll we'll talk about it. Maybe maybe yeah, do a I full we'll, deep we'll do dive, a full on review yeah. around then, and maybe tag up on some of these other ones too yeah. that are fresh, and we're letting people catch up yeah. to. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. It it traffics in a lot of like well worn territory as far as the genre goes, but it it never left me feeling bored by it at all. Right. It just felt like these guys are students of the they lo- clearly love the genre and want to tweak it here and there and play with it. Great atmosphere, um, in general, great cinematography. I put it on the I, level of yeah. how you can tell that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride love Halloween. Yes, I put it on that level, even though Halloween is like a specific thing on its own property whatever you want to call it yeah 
This it's obvious these that, guys love that. I, I, I brought up the Joe Swanberg thing because that's really where the, the interpersonal character dynamics. I don't right. know how familiar you are with him, but he's like basically one of the godfathers of the mumblecore genre. It's basically him and the Duplass brothers are kind of the right. the gods of it, if you will. Um, he did Drinking Buddies, which you may have seen. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would love that. Olivia Wilde and... Uh, Ron Livingston's in it, Anna Kendrick, and I cannot uh, remember yeah, the yeah, guy. Know, he's on uh, the new girl. I forget his name. He's the main one. I like him. Jake Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's him and Olivia Wilde. Fantastic chemistry in that movie, by the way. Um, but anyways, and Swanberg's done a ton of like smaller mumblecore movies. Some of which are horror tinged. Silver Bullets is one I would recommend. If you've hmm. Never seen it. About a girl trying to get a part in a werewolf-related movie, possibly. Hmm. Okay. Anyways. Uh but that's where I could I could feel his touch essentially is where all of that character stuff goes. I really dug it. Highly recommend it. It's a, I believe a six dollar rental right now, and I think you can purchase it outright. Yeah, I think you can buy it outright. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's. A or I, I think may I don't know I don't know now with how long it's been, but it's definitely I think may still be available in some markets, um, with drive-ins. Yeah, you might be able to go see it if you're lucky enough to have a drive-in near yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, some other ones that are also available on VOD that I checked out. Uh, this one I will warn people away from. Do not spend your money. Don't spend a dime on you should have left. Okay? You should leave it alone. Yes. <laughs> you should leave you should have left and go watch the rental. Yes. You should go rent the rental. Okay. It's Kevin Bacon, Amanda Seyfried. I had a very interesting experience. I've never actually done this with a movie. I think there's very rare occasions where you can. But I literally sat down and read You Should Have Left, the book mm-hmm. by Daniel Kelman, which I bought for a friend for Christmas or birthday last year. And they were like, this is great, fantastic. Hey, did you know they're making a movie? And I was like, oh, let me borrow that back so I can read it before I watch it at some point. Okay? It's right at, like, dead at, like, 107 pages or something. Super quick read. I highly recommend the book. The movie is trash even removed from having read the the source material right beforehand which is probably a terrible idea in any case probably always going to judge it more harshly but even removing that this would not have been a satisfying horror movie on its own very much like the novel itself and again i'm, I'm going to try and not talk about both of them as separate entities but it's very shining influenced it's a writer going away on a retreat with a wife and a young daughter, okay? So it's a little bit of a twist. And things get creepy. Things get weird. Things escalate. There's something weird about the place itself. That's all I really want to say. Um, the movie, it's one of those within the first scene, the first like three minutes of it, I was like, all right, they fucked this up. It's David Coop. Or Kep, I forget how he actually says his name, um, who's been a huge screenwriter for years, movie-wise. He's only directed a handful, but do you remember Secret Window mm-hmm. with Johnny Depp? Another one that probably doesn't hold up on repeat viewings at all. Um, yeah. But notably, he did Stir of Echoes right. with Kevin Bacon in 99, which is one of the most underrated horror movies. Yeah, like we were going to get into those vibes. And it's just like, I 
it's hard to believe that it's the same filmmaker. Honestly, it's it's crazy. But it was one of the in the first three minutes, I was like, "You've so fundamentally altered what this story is actually about right off the bat that I know you did not just have the same experience I had with this thing." And the book, you were so in the author's head the whole time. Right. And the way it plays around with the kind of descent into madness on the page is something you really have to experience firsthand. It is a tricky adaptation. But the way that they, the kind of arbitrary choices that he made to be extremely faithful in some aspects and totally abandon the core of what it's about in other aspects was just baffling to me, honestly. Hmm. Um, it's not scary at all. It has some borderline bad performances from everybody involved. Um, not particular. like there's a handful of semi standout sequences, but it is, as you're reading it, you're like, this is not a jump scare thing. This is something that should be made for a million dollars by an indie filmmaker and like released by Blumhouse, excuse me, not released by Blumhouse, which it is. Okay. That's what I want to say. This should be like an IFC Midnight or what I would prefer, this should be an A24 horror movie. Yeah. Because when you read it, it is so, it's much more cerebral than anything that they attempt to do in this movie. I do not recommend it. I think it's outwardly bad. It's probably the worst movie I have watched this year. Do not bother with You Should Have Left. You could very clearly see they premiered this thing, $20, okay, to rent outright. Jesus. Same way they did with King of Staten Island, okay? King of Staten Island, if I'm not mistaken, is still at that $20 price range. You know why? It deserves Because to be. people are paying to watch it. Right. I feel like the handful of people who did drop 20 on it to rent it again, not to own it outright, to rent it for 48 hours, I feel like the reaction was so negative. They pulled it for a weekend. I went to go watch this and it wasn't there. And then it reappeared Wednesday of the following week and all of a sudden it was rentable for $6 or purchasable for 14 And so it was very much, let's cut our losses. People are not responding to this. They're not responding to it because it's not good. If this came out in theaters, this is, I mean, this is on the bottom rung of Blumhouse Productions. And there's been some stinkers in there. They're not all gold. But this is one of the worst things I've seen them produce. Daniel Kelman, the author, I I don't know if he had any involvement other than signing off like, "Hey, you can do this." I, if I had written you mean, this, hey, I get my check. If I had written this book, I would have been so ashamed by the end product that I would have asked to have my name taken off of it. Like, oh, let I'd... me keep the check, but seriously, don't put on the end of this based on the novel by Daniel Kelman. Change the title, call it something else. But this is not my book. And then I would have had a deal with my publisher, get a reprinting ready to grow. So when this thing tanks, I could be like, hey, guys, that movie you didn't like, I wrote a better book that it's based off of. It's and it's so much so cheaper. so much better. And you can honestly, you can read this book quicker than you can watch this movie. Wow. I'm not kidding. I read it in an hour. Wow. It a breeze and you are locked into it. And it's, I'm telling you, you're sitting reading it by yourself. You're going to get way more creeped out than you will. By watching this movie. Hmm. Don't bother with it. You should have left. I give it two thumbs down. Okay. Um, We're going to end on a positive note. This is the last new thing I've watched. And the most recent new thing I've watched. Other than American Pickle. It's called She Dies Tomorrow. 
I told you I rented it. I don't think you jumped on didn't, it. Didn't didn't get a chance. I did give you a heads up. You're always complaining about I, like, hey, listen, can you hey, send you a text? Pretty, you've, been, you text. you've been pretty solid with that. I appreciate okay, that. This is the second feature from Miss Amy Simons, who you will recognize from your next. Yes. Possibly a horrible way to die as well. I don't know if you ever got to that one. Starring her and Joe Swanberg, directed by Adam Wingard, director of Your Next and the Guest. A horrible way to die. What happens? Horrible in way that? to die. Not to spoil things, uh, but it is about. I guess this gets revealed to you fairly early on. It is about a woman who is in recovery, essentially. And part of the reason she is in recovery is because she discovers that she is dating a serial killer. It is a very grounded, very, very fucked up movie. And it is incredible. I watched something... I've last... recommended it to you many a no, time. No, 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 I don't no, know no, if yeah, you've ever actually This movie watched, isn't though. it. I watched something a while back with somebody else. I can't remember who it was. <laughs> and it was basically like a low-budget horror thing, and it had something to do with like a film crew that was coming to town to scout something. It ended at like a house, and everybody got murdered. But the whole deal was like a really like skinny photographer. Behind the Mask, The Legend of Leslie Brown. No, no, it wasn't that. Okay. It was a, There was a big dude that was like a burly, like basically like a big burly gimp that just did what this younger guy wanted okay, and like the no younger guy was like a sociopath about. but his whole deal was posing people for photos okay and like i can't remember the name of the movie but it was because it was like it wasn't anything like to stand out was it found footage no it was like it was okay. an actual because there's a big no star i think maybe about. jerry o'connell is, has a cameo in it Huge but i can't remember the name of this movie but i wanted to recommend it to you well for October. Do, do some research. I'm going to find let it. Let me know what the hell you're talking about. Yes. She Dies Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Again, second feature from Amy Simon. It's written and directed by her. Uh, you've got Katie Lynchell, who you probably won't recognize other than she gets killed in the opening of your next. She's in Silver Bullets, the aforementioned. This is in the, this is, you know, Amy Simon's is kind of, uh, she's in this realm and they have some Coat Wolf connections as Winsome. well. Huh? The guy's name is Songberg, right? Joe Swanberg. Swan, Win Swan? It's like a Wingard Swanberg kind of deal. Like Wingard's in there as well. Yeah. Swanberg, yeah. It's, you know. Neo horror, like, if you want to call whatever, it. That. Grounded indie horror, mumblecore yeah. horror, whatever. Yeah. Um, basic conceit of She Dies Tomorrow is the lead character, played by Caitlin Schell, um, realizes she's going to die tomorrow. She's convinced that she's going to die tomorrow. And so she tells somebody that that's what's going to happen. And then that fear, that idea, infects that person. And so on and so forth. It's essentially about existential dread, the current crisis of just the world we're living in, the way information or like bad news stories can kind of invade your mental headspace and fuck you up. Um, but yeah, it's essentially a... a uh, the closest thing, honestly, that came to mind when I was watching it because it is an extremely unique movie, was something like Pontypool. Oh! Where it kind of recontextualizes the idea of what a virus or what a disease can be and how it can be transmitted. But essentially, the the virus being transmitted here is fear, which is incredibly relevant to today. But the fear of death in particular and the just the all-consuming idea that, like, I'm going to die tomorrow. Like, I know in my bones I'm going to die tomorrow. What What would that be like? Um, so it's got kind of a, you know, ex- an expansive cast. You got Christmas Cena in there. 
uh, Jane Adams, Tunde Adabembe from uh, TV on the radio, a uh, handful of other people. I highly recommend it. It is definitely if you're if you're looking for like a out and out in your face horror movie, it is not that. It is much more meditative and honestly like super funny, really darkly funny in a way that you're probably not expecting based on the trailer. Um, but yeah, and it's 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 a little lean, mean. It's like 85 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Just kind of gets in, gets out, leaves you very unsettled, and covers a lot of ground in that time. I I highly recommend it. One of the better horror movies I've seen and one of the better movies I've seen this year. Yeah. Hmm. So again, you missed out on the rental, but maybe maybe I'll rent it again in October. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then you can figure out what the hell you're trying to tell me about. Yeah, no, i got to figure out what that okay, movie was. Okay, so again, to recap, on the new front, I highly recommend She Dies Tomorrow. We both highly recommend The Rental. Stay as far away as you possibly can from You Should Have Left. Um, and ch- if you have HBO Max, if you've upgraded, or if you've magically gotten it because you used to have HBO Go, I highly recommend you check out American Pickle. It's just sitting there. It's not costing you anything. Other it's than the, the same as the Peanut Butter Falcon. It's just sitting right there on Prime ready for you. Yes, that would be the other high recommend, I guess. That I, I believe I had it. Maybe on my honorable mentions. Maybe I cracked my did. top ten last year. I forget. Uh, last year was a great year for movies, but that is that's like one of those instant classics. And it's one of those I'm like, if you showed this to somebody and they were like, the movie sucked, I have genuine concerns about like your what, well-being. Well, what do you take pleasure yeah. in? What makes you what, excited? What, what makes you like? What, what makes in you this movie shed a tear? Yeah, of, of what joy? in this movie made you angry or disinterested at any point? Because it's just like it's oh god. It's just sustained joy for like an hour and forty. We didn't even talk about Bruce Dern, man. I could talk fucking about love Bruce Dern in that movie. Uh, everybody's fantastic in it. Okay, so we had some new recommends. We rambled on way longer than planned, uh, but I think we needed this. Yeah, because we've been holding it all back while we've been recording this other thing. The super secret project we got going on. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, to cap off, I'm gonna. This is not. This is not necessarily a retro review thing that we're doing. Yeah. But I would like you to watch Leaves of Grass, okay. starring not one, but two Edward Nortons. Oh. Directed. Give me the goddamn Blu-ray. <laughs> directed. Directed by who? Why don't you flip it over? Why don't you take a little look? Who directed that bad boy? Tim Blake Nelson. You're goddamn right he did. Oh, um, I got a Richard Dreyfus on the back. I got a Sir Susan Sarandon. You're gonna Tim have Blake a, Nelson hey, himself? You're going to have a good time. <laughs> All right. I guarantee it. Yeah. Felicity's um, in this movie? Oh, wow. I'm sorry, Carrie Russell. This Okay, I bring this up in relation to two things. One, Southland Tales, because we talked about what I still stand by is the most underrated movie of the 2000s. If we want to do the 2010s, this Leaves of Grass might, on my personal list, I think it's one of the most underrated movies in the last 10 years for sure i don't know why more people don't talk about it and we were talking about edward norton earlier and that's one of those where i'm like it's outside of the run that you kind of think of from the late 90s through the early 2000s but it's it's a killer and also i bring this up in relation to we were talking about lynch and how like people shouldn't try to do lynch because it's never going to work this is tim blake nelson essentially doing his coen brothers movie but he's worked with the coens he's fantastic actor in his own right and it's like if you bring in the right amount of it you you can do something that's co-in adjacent that 
still manages to be its own thing. I think you will love this movie. So we'll, we'll chat about it next time we get together. Gavin's going to watch Leaves of Grass, and he'll probably recommend something for me to watch in the, in the meantime. You don't have to do it right now. Oh, no, no. I'll figure something out. Alrighty, I think that does it. Uh, I have been Noah. And I've been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. And until next time, stay safe, stay smart, 